Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We are working our way through a series on the armor of God. Uh, We're going to pick it up in verse 13. It says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. So stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, With the breastplate of righteousness in place, we looked at that. And then this morning, we're looking at your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, the temptation here is to knock this particular piece of armor, which essentially is is sandals, right? That's what Paul is talking about. He's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus. It's it's in the first century. Everybody knew what he was talking about. He's drawing these analogies, these comparisons between the pieces of armor that a Roman centurion or legionnaire might wear with spiritual pieces of armor. So when he says your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, uh, everyone would have known that he was talking about these things, right? Sandals. And so the temptation for us is to go, well, these, let's just bump these right down to the bottom of the list. Because I mean, really, how important is this? It's like, I don't know if anybody remembers the TV show Captain Planet. Does anybody remember Captain Planet? Yeah, people like my age, yeah, Crystal, you would. It was really big in the 90s. And for those of you who don't know, it was a cartoon show. And it was very ahead of its time. It was very woke because it, was, it wasn't about the bad guys, you know, stealing money or kidnapping people or inflicting all manners of cartoon violence. The bad guys in Captain Planet were always, in some way, shape, or form, abusing the planet, So the bad guys were like polluting waterways, they were overfishing the oceans, or they were poaching, you know, endangered species. And every TV show would be exactly the same. It would start with a bad guy doing something bad, and then there were five kids in the show, and they would inevitably end up battling the bad guys. But each kid, this is where it gets interesting, each kid had a ring of power, and that ring would control a different element. Right, So one kid had a ring and he'd go, earth, and then he could just lift up slabs of dirt and rock and just dump them on the bad guy. And another guy had fire, and he'd go like this, and fire would shoot out of his ring, and he could do all this cool stuff. And in every episode, they'd go, you know, they'd get like 80% of the way there and then realize they just couldn't quite defeat the bad guy. And so then they would do something that Ghostbusters would frown upon. They'd cross streams, and they'd get all their rings and they'd put them all together, and this, you know, the power would come out, and then you'd hear this voice, by your powers combined, I am Captain Planet, and he'd burst out, and I'm having awesome shivers because it was such a great show. <laughs> you guys are just staring at me blankly. I want to go watch it now. Uh, but here's the thing, right? These, these five rings, uh, one was fire, one was you know, earth, and then they had wind, and they could control it, and there's water. She had a bit of an accent. Water. And then the fifth one was this little kid, and he'd go, heart. And even as a nine or ten-year-old, I knew that's lame. Right? Like one guy's controlling fire. One guy can control water and wind. And this kid's just like, I can 
empathize really well with what you're going through. Like, that's, that's his superpower. And even as a 9 or 10-year-old, I was like, man, that kid, he got the short end of the stick. Man, he is ripped off. I would not want that power. I mean, that's my pastoral anointing coming through even as a 9 or 10-year-old, right? Like, ugh, great. That's like a negative power, having to empathize with all these people. Um, but they needed that fifth power. Anyway, my point is that the temptation, in the same way that I just look down on heart compared to, I wanted the firing, I thought that was the coolest, uh, it's to look at this and go, eh, because I mean, we've got faith, we've got the sort of the spirit, we've got righteousness and truth, and then readiness. What does that even mean? Readiness. Why? That is so apparently lame, except it's not, it's actually super important. What Paul is saying here is he's looked at all the different pieces of armor and he's looked at the shoes and he's gone, well, what, what does that symbolize? And Paul has clicked onto this fact that every parent knows, which is that you are not ready for anything until you've got your shoes on. If I had a dollar for every time I've said to my kids, I've got three kids, the oldest is 10, the youngest is seven. You guys ready? Yep. Have you got your shoes on? Nope then you're not ready. That's what I'll say. Are you guys ready to go? Yep. You got your shoes on? No. And then you're not ready. Are you ready to go? Yep. All right, let's go hop in the car. All right, let's go get my shoes on. And there's like another 10 minutes of trying to find their shoes. And I don't know what happens. When you're an adult, I have a problem with odd socks. But when you're a kid, you have a problem with odd shoes. I'm like, how do you have odd shoes? You take them both off at the same time. How do you end up with one here and one on the other side of the house? So I can only find one with the Velcro straps and one with the shoelaces. I have to, oh my gosh. You're not ready until you put your shoes on. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying you're not ready. The truth is, church, that you can have the shield, you can have the sword, you can be wearing your breastplate, you can have your belt on, but Paul says you are not ready for battle until you have these sandals on, your feet fitted with the readiness, the King James Version says, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so these shoes, I looked them up and they said that it was uh, extremely common for them to have little wee cleats on the bottom or spikes even. There's a couple of different reasons for this and we'll look at one of them in just a moment. But the, the Greek translation for that word fitted, the King James says shod like you would shoe a horse, right? Your feet shod with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The Greek translation, it literally means to undergird. So when Paul is talking about shoes and your feet fitted, no one was picturing, you know, like Reeboks. No one was picturing Air Jordans or Nikes. They were all picturing these shoes, which was literally just some leather that would go under your feet and then straps to hold it in place. And Paul is saying, in the same way that when you go into battle, you stand on these bits of leather. They wrap around your feet. They support you. The battle that you are going to go into, you have to stand on the gospel of peace, which when you think about it, is a ludicrous thing to say. This doesn't make any sense. What is the word peace doing in this passage? I mean, if you look at the rest of the passage, he says things like, our battle is not against flesh and blood. We go to war against spirits and principalities and dark forces in the heavenly realms. And he's telling us we need shields and swords and helmets. And then he says, and you need to, you need to stand on the gospel of peace. Peace does not belong in this passage, I wouldn't have thought. 
Certainly I wouldn't have thought that it's the very foundation on which we have to stand. Until you dig uh, a little bit deeper. Um, so there's a word that pops up in this particular passage, not once, not twice, not even three times. It pops up four times in the space of three verses. Don't know if you guys picked it up. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We skip forward to verse 13. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. So not once, not twice, not three times, but four times Paul says, this is what you do. Again, this doesn't make any sense. I don't know what Paul's on about here. I mean, he's just gone to huge lengths to explain to us that we are in a spiritual battle. He says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against spiritual forces. We are in a spiritual battle. He goes to all of these lengths to create this beautiful imagery around us putting on spiritual pieces of armor. And then he gets to the climax of his point. He gets to the end of it. He's like, finally, you've got all these pieces on. You are ready to go. Now it's time to stand there. Does that make sense to you? If I were writing this, I would have, you know, got up to that point and then be like, now it's time to charge into battle. You know, wave the standard, pick up the flag of Jesus Christ and stab someone through the heart with it or whatever, like, you know. But that's not what Paul says. He says, no, you get all this stuff on and then you stand there. And what are you standing on? The gospel of peace. How does this make any sense? I, I wondered this for quite a long time. I was like, God, why? This seems almost like a negative tactic. It seems almost defensive. Like, shouldn't we be charging into the lion's den and ripping heads off and, and things? Why does Paul tell us to stand? And he's very clear, right? It's not like you go, oh, well, he just mentioned it once or twice or three times. Four times he says, you stand and you stand and you stand. One of the reasons that the soldiers would have cleats or spikes in their shoes was because uh, when the enemy would advance against them, they would dig their feet in like that, and the cleats and the spikes would, would hold them in place so that when the wave of the enemy came against them, they weren't blown back. They could hold their position. You would have seen it on TV, no doubt. The Romans had this great technique of getting all their shields out, creating like a turtle-type effect, and people, you know, soldiers would run at them and smash them. And again, they'd use those boots to just stand. Why would Paul tell us to stand and not to go all gung-ho in? There's a great quote from a guy called Watchman Nee. Who's heard of Watchman Nee? He's a pretty cool guy. He says this. He says, The spiritual warfare is defensive, not offensive, because the Lord Jesus has already won or fought the battle and won the victory. The work of the church on the earth is simply to maintain the Lord's victory. Here it is. Listen to this. The church's work is not to overcome the devil, but to resist him who has already been overcome by the Lord. You know why Paul tells us that we don't have to charge in there and take ground? It's because all the ground has already been taken. We don't have to go in there and pick a fight. That fight's already been picked. Jesus already kicked ass. Pardon my French. So Paul says, hey, you don't have to worry about going in there and stirring stuff up. 
Jesus has done all of that. You don't have to go in and, and fight and wrestle and do all this kind of stuff because Jesus has already done it. Listen, the mindset shift between thinking that you have to go in and you know, win victories and get stuff back compared to the mindset that says Jesus has already done it and I just have to stand. That's why Paul says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Let's just look at a couple of other scriptures to prove this point. Jesus said in John 16, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome 87% of the world. Oh, no, I got that wrong. I have overcome the world. How much of the world is there left for us to overcome? None. What about this verse from Paul? He is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or most things else. No, anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. What did Jesus say here? He came to them and said, 95% of authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All authority. When Jesus died on the cross, what were his last words? It is almost finished. No, of course not. It is finished. It's a very simple concept. I'll get the band to jump back up this morning, a short word. We'll do a little bit more worship. Um, The temptation is, like I say, to think, oh, these shoes, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That's not nearly as cool as the shield of faith, which Dan gets to talk about next week which actually is the coolest because I read my Bible and it says, above all else, take up the short of I was like, oh man, Dan gets the coolest one. <sighs> but this concept that we fight wearing these sandals, we fight literally standing on the gospel of peace. That word peace, it's a Greek word. It's the same Greek word that Paul uses in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, where he says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That peace is the peace that we fight on. And so, you know, when we go into battle spiritually, the temptation is to think that we have to go in arms flailing, karate kicking, throwing stuff, like it's this massive deal. But what Paul says is, no, it's, it's not like that. You stand on the peace of God. You stand. You stand firm. And the devil throws stuff at you, shoots fiery darts at you, which Dan will talk about next week, no doubt. That's right. Practice my sound effects. He said it was bouncing off the breastplate, wasn't it? it was That's what I was doing last week. Um, this is not something that we need to stress about. Right, Jesus has done everything for us. That breastplate of righteousness, that's his righteousness. That's why it's called the armor of God. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. It's not called the armor of Dan, the armor of Denise, the armor of Josh, it's the armor of God. We stand on the foundation that is the gospel of peace. I am just, I've been learning a lot just in talking with God over the last couple of months of just how, how blessed it is to have a mind at peace to be a man at peace or a woman at peace. I don't think sometimes that we understand what a privilege that is to be able to go to sleep at night and not have just your world crashing down around you or feeling like it is. It's impossible to fight the enemy while you're distracted and stressed and breaking down. 
That's why Paul says you have to fight from a foundation of peace. And if you're not doing that, you're not, you're not ready. So my encouragement to you this morning is to just pursue peace. There's a guy in the Bible that's often referred to as the Prince of Peace. Does anyone know who that is? Jesus. It's right, Tebal. Thank you for humoring me. Everyone else is like, I know it's Jesus, but I'm not going to say anything because it's so obvious. But you said it. It's because you're used to being a school teacher and knowing that you want your students to answer. Hey, let's stand to our feet this morning. We've done a lot of praying already, so I think we won't go there. What we're going to do is we're just going to sing this song again. And I want to encourage you this morning to pursue peace. You know, it says in the Bible that we all face troubles or temptations of many kinds. There's nothing new under the sun. Don't take this the wrong way, but you are not special. There is nothing that you are going through that only you are going through, that no one else has ever been through. And that, you know, sometimes we feel like, ah, no one knows the sorrow I've seen. Was it? (laughs) You know that song, John? Yep. No one knows my sorrow. You know, that's just, that's not true. There's nothing new under the sun. You are not special. I am not special. doesn't matter what we are going through. Jesus has got a way out. I guarantee you that at no point in your life will God look at you and go, that's new. <laughs> Never happen. So just as we sing this morning, you know, it's, it's a theme that has come through a lot in prayer meeting and then through worship. I think that there's just a place of peace that God wants to lead some of us into. So I just encourage you, lift your hands if you feel comfortable. Stay seated down if you want to stay sitting down. But just push into peace. Just ask Him, God, what, what peace do you have for me this morning?